Blog Talk Radio. Class is in. It's time for Breaking Chains and History Talk with Dr. Lavert Kemp. Sit back, relax, learn, and listen. Pick up the phone and get involved in the conversation. 858-357-9137. Listen and learn who you are. Learn the true history of how society was physically built. Learn the history of who you really are. Learn the history of your people. It's Breaking Chains and History Talk with Dr. Lavert Kemp every Tuesday, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time, right here on YAT Radio, leaving a mark that can't be erased by breaking the chains of silence through history. Being brought to you by the United Theological Seminary and Bible College, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Good evening. Good evening to each and everyone tonight. God bless you. And I ask that God will continue to strengthen you. As we prepare to go into there, there's so much suffering going on in this world today. We know that over in the Ukraine, what's going on in the United States, and things are still so problematic right here in our country, in the United States of America. So many Things are going on done in America because of the problems in the Ukraine. Children are dying. Uh, Russia is bombing uh, hospitals, schools, churches. It, it doesn't matter. They are literally trying to blow Ukraine off the map. And there's so much. But the Ukrainians are fighting for their independence. And, and so as we see it every night, but there's so many things that left on the table that we uh, should be fighting for right here at home. I don't believe in not having the love and compassion for others, and that I do have. But uh, charity starts at home, and sometimes our heart pulls out for other folks, but in reality, uh we haven't received our just do right in America as African Americans. We haven't received our just do righting. Right now, uh, things are trying to turn the time back. And when I say turn time back, what I'm dealing with is the injustices of the Voting Rights Act. I'm talking about the gerrymandering. I'm talking about voter suppression. And then with all that going on, them voting to suppress our votes, then we ourselves as African-Americans are, are so lackadaisical. We don't go out to the polls in numbers unless some specific black candidate is running for office. And so we, we, we lose elections that we shouldn't lose, and we lose different things that we could gain, specifically dealing with uh, our, our country. As our population grow and the population closer and white America is, is up in arms right now, and that's why you see uh, the GOP and just others, too, all over the globe uh, here in America uh, are upset. They're upset because they will, they're losing power. As the population fastly is growing with Hispanics and Asians are uh, the population are growing. Uh, the population of African Americans is stable, staying pretty much the same population growth. Uh, for Caucasians or white, or so-called white Americans, 
they uh the population growth is 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 down for them producing offspring, and that's one thing that they're hurting because they feel in the next forty years that they will no longer be the majority, so they're coming up with all types of voter suppression and do away with the uh try to put who they want on the Supreme Court and how they try to gerrymander while they are in, in power, gerrymander where they could make sure the odds are stacked against people of color. Uh, all these things are going on right here in the United States, and we're fighting a war against the people right here in America. We find America is fighting against themselves with human rights. But yet America could travel all over the world and tell everyone else about human rights and African Americans, Native Americans, uh, Hispanics, and others don't have the rights right here in America. Although people could come from other nations, specifically European nations, and come and uh, treat it, and they are able to get jobs, they're able to... to, to, to uh, uh, circumvent different things that we're not able to circumvent. Uh, just I noticed that they would allow uh, some uh, Latinos to come from Mexico and allow them to come into America. But when Haitian, when when the Haiti people from Haiti were going through turmoil right there, they tried to come in. They sent them to other countries. They sent them right back to where they came from. They didn't even give them a chance to come to America. And it's a shame every time some blacks try to come to America, it's almost like you're not wanted. And what's what's ironic about this situation, our president, even President Biden, went along with that. So that's not a star on his chest. Uh, they've been doing that for years. People from Cuba could come here and come to the land. That was okay, especially those Cubans who look more Caucasian than uh, uh, Latino or African-American, not African-American, but African-Cuban. Um, they were able to they send those back. And so the population have continued to grow in an obvious way. And things are remaining the same. As we uh, look around us, we will see that things are being the, the same. We're not moving forward. If anything, we're going back. I said the Voting Right Act. And we still are getting the same thing over and over again. Black kids are being killed. The police are killing kids. They're, they are coming in houses with these illegal search things and killing individuals when they come in, no no knock warrant. And as they kill the people, they get away with it, and they wonder why blacks uh, riot and blacks do different things. And it's because you've been getting along with it, away with it, and they say, well, we need to take it to court. When we take it to court, it's always it's, it has always been when African Americans take something and do it the right way. Whatever Caucasian, whatever murderer kills or policeman kills that African-American kid or adult, nothing, they never have to pay for it. 
But if a black policeman kill a Caucasian child or a, a young person, they pay for it. And it's like uh, it makes me feel that they figure our eyes are blind or we're just that ignorant that we can't see what's been going on for centuries and it haven't changed yet. And if you say something about it, you're an angry black man or woman, uh, you're living in the past, and you're not, the past is right here now. Our, our, our past is here. We're still living the past. The same things are happening. Uh, the only thing we see it a little more is because of the uh, invention of the cell, the, the cell phone with the camera, which uh, African American invented. Uh, we 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 need to take our time to look upon things we're dealing with. That uh, George Floyd uh, act that's about the police killing uh, blacks, and I, I, I was doing some studying, and one of the most profound things that I've uh, I've read, other than some statements made by uh, Marcus Garvey, but I, this John Lewis. Because oftentimes when blacks ride, they put it on CNN, MSNBC, and Fox, and everyone is look at how these heathens are doing, uh, uh, burning a city and uh, 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 ramshacking stores and stealing and looting and burning. When George Floyd died, they didn't come out. They doesn't go out and they tell you how many boogaloo boys and white supremacy was the one doing the burning. And the blacks got the bad rap for some of their things that they done. Now, when when I'm saying that John Lewis, they was asking John Lewis pertaining to uh, the ride during the time of George Floyd and the looting and the burning, and uh, he made a profound statement, and and I think that uh, that that that's something I take with me to my grave. He said that. He don't believe, he did not believe in rioting, looting, or burning. He didn't believe in it. I don't believe in rioting, looting, or burning. But he made this statement, but he said, but. I thought he was finished with his statement when he said, said made the statement he didn't believe in rioting, rioting, and looting, and burning, uh, you know, places and things like that. But he, he wasn't finished with his statement because he put that conjunction, you know, uh, coordinating conjunction and but, no, and all. They say, but you you haven't seen if there were no injustices, it wouldn't be in Iraq. So when I thought about things, I tried to go back over the times that I could remember in my 70 years. There was never any rise unless... Um, Civil or social injustice had occurred, uh, the death or uh, the killing of some black person. It never, never came because that's the only way African Americans figured that they could get any justice is by doing something to try to hurt somebody else because the hurt had been perpetrated against us for centuries. And then they say that you're acting like savages. Well, I thought the savage is the one to do the killing. I thought the savage was one that raped. 
tell people child like chattel like channel like like cattle like chattel uh you know take a person and count that person as less than a human hang them lynch them burn them and then they go even further i thought the savage was the one that killed somebody and do a genocide on a whole race of people the indigenous race of people here kill them and take the land i thought that was savagery but the thing is reversed today the very people who who the savage act was against are the people who they call savages i'm confused with that definition because the, what they call the savage does not represent the people whom they call savages. People in South Africa have been saying about taking their land back, but they claim that they, they want that that's their land. But if they say that uh, uh, the Portuguese, the Dutch, and the others, the French, uh, not the, the but the British and others that's in South Africa claim the land for themselves. They've been there for 300 years. And the black just said, give us our land back. You know this land don't belong to you. You're not indigenous. We're going to fight for our land. But if the blacks start fighting for their land, then America, Russia, and other countries are going to come in and shoot them down like they're nothing. That's the European thing, and uh, we're going to get into the Berlin Conference at a later time. But uh, today, I, I wanted tonight, I wanted to talk about some things, and I want to talk about this person that uh, we need to understand about Haiti. We need to learn something about Haiti and how did Toussaint Overture, who a man that was born in bondage in a French colony in Santo Domingo to the very day is called called Haiti and enslaved for more than half of his life now come to be the leader of the most successful slave revolt in the history. And he helped precipitate, amen, I'm about to start preaching now, precipitate the downfall of the European colonialism and different in the Western Hemisphere. And what I'm talking about, in the 17th century, in Santo Domingo, uh, it was striving, a wealthy colony of the Americas. It's sugar, it's coffee, it's indigo, the cotton plantation, the minted money, fueled by, by enslaved, just like America was fueled uh, uh, in the past, was always fueled by the poor slave labor. Now, 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 you have to understand Haiti, as we call it today, during the time was they called it Santo Domingo. The French colonial since uh, 1697 occupied the western third of, of the Caribbean island. Well, you know, the, today some call it Hispaniola. Well, while the Spanish had colonized the eastern side of side called Santo Domingo. Now the Dominican Republic had revolted against certain things. 
we need to understand that even with this, they were with the revolt in 1791. Uh, this thing, it, 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 the revolt came about, and this is where you'll find that two Sunday Overture he led this revolt in Haiti in 1779 to 1804. It was one of the most important outcomes of the revolution was that it was it forced Napoleon Bonaparte to sell Louisiana Purchase, and we heard about Louisiana Purchase. That's how the U.S. United States enlarged themselves. The, when you say the Louisiana Purchase, so many states were involved with the Louisiana Purchase. With major results was that that came from the Louisiana Purchase came because of the Haitians. And in this with the Haitians enforcing that, they forced Napoleon Bonaparte to sell the Louisiana Purchase. That was part of Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, Alabama, uh, Arkansas, Missouri, and many others, Minnesota, and so many other parts of the Kansas, and so Oklahoma, and so many parts of these states were all part of Louisiana, was a, a large part of the United States during the time. And Napoleon Bonaparte sells the Louisiana Purchase to the United States in 1803. Now, what happened, this uh, resulted in a major territorial expansion of the United States. When Haiti took their independence in 1804, they changed their colonial name from Santo Domingo, the name given by the French to Tia Aino, the name of Haiti. Uh, uh, they uh, they call it the Creole people, what they call, what they spell that, that Creole back then, they spell K-R Creole. K-R-E-Y-O-L, Creole. And they call it Ayata, which was what they call Haiti, as the first black independent country with a stir of success, how they fought guerrilla warfare. Some call it a ragtag army, defeated one of the most popular and forceful generals of all time, Napoleon Bonaparte. We know them as this little man in the history books when I studied in school and in college. Uh, he always had his hand tucked into his uh, his uniform. Now, this very same man that we're talking about, uh, two Sunday over to him, he became recognized as general and two Sunday over to him. He led this revoke. He led the army, and he began to have... Haiti recognized as the first black independent country with a stir of success from a slave revolt. Haiti was a ray of hope for African Americans in the United States of America. During the 19th century, when I say 19th century, I'm talking about the 1800s. Like France, the U.S. did not recognize Haiti's independence until 1862, precisely because white America were that Haiti's existence would challenge their slave-driven economy. Now, I, I, I need to speak to you concerning about that slave-driven economy. If you don't know, 
when you hear a lot of African Americans and 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 blacks talk about this point that America was built upon slave labor. Well, when they're saying that America is built upon slave labor, they're telling the truth. During slavery time, the 17th and even in the 1800s, 17, 16, America became wealthy because of, see, you have to understand about imports and exports. Imports is when you buy something and you buy it and bring it into your country. You pay for that. But your exports are when someone else is buying your product. Well, the product uh, in America and during that time that made America who it is today, the wealthiest nation in the world, was slave labor. The greatest money that was made, 60% of all wealth that came to America came from slave labor. And you have to understand it was first cotton was the highest highest rated thing that they were uh, exports, then was sugar, coffee, indigo. And they they were doing these things and they were getting money from it because you have 7 million individuals working and they're working for free from sunup to sundown. It wasn't eight hour and you were making any type wages. You worked for free. And then the most uh, individuals like to say, well, that was only in the South, and the people of North was in the factories, and they had textiles, and they were making other things that up there. Well, if you ask how you make, well, how do you make textile? Well, the first thing, textile and tiles are made. You need cotton so that it would be cohesive, that will make it hold together. It takes cotton to put it in there to keep it together. And so... They needed the same thing. And then the slave trade was financed by large banks up north. They were learning these, lending these plantation owners money to finance these things. But here they find they had a deep hatred for this man called Toussaint Overture, who gained the freedom as a general Toussaint Overture led his forces to victory over planters, class, thousands of invading French troops. But that was only the start. He navigated a complex, ever-swift-shifting politics and dual colonial power. He successfully repelled aggressively the European mightiest nation, the French, the Spanish, and English, using his diplomatic gall and cannon, playing them off one after another. He battled them. He conquered the Spanish side of his Spaniards, uniting the island and establishing himself as the governor, as the general, and he brought about this in Pan America. He brought this together the way the people was working, and he worked them. He reopened the plantation, but they were getting paid under what he did. He was very, very intelligent. Now, this is a, a man that was a slave. He fought in the French Revolution. He helped the French. But now listen at this. This is just how, how we get tricked into things. Although we have to find out that two sons Overture died in a French jail. They tricked him to come to a place. And when he got them there, they arrested him and he died. Although two sons Overture died in the French jail, 
a year before Santo Domingo gained full independence, the rechristened itself as Haiti in 1804, his myriad effort set the stages for the establishment of the second sovereign nation in the Western Hemisphere after America, the world's first sovereign black state. Hear how he did it. And, and, and you know, they were fighting jungle warfare. And, you know, and, and, and that was during the 1700s. You have to understand, they was doing this in, like, in the 1700s. They fought guerrilla warfare with rakes and holes and things, and they were taking the guns from the French soldiers that, and also defeated seven of the best generals that Napoleon Bonaparte had. And it, it was a blessing for America because it, it instituted them to get the uh, the Louisiana Purchase. Do you know the rebel leaders included uh, two Sunday over to refuse. Overture chose to do battle instead with a 6,000-man fleet. He defeated the French. Toussaint was aware of his regiment lack of training, but he trained his people. He trained them, although they, they, they wasn't trained in combat. We have to understand, when France normalized abolition and slavery in its territory, Toussaint Overture then joined the French force and defeated and defeated the Spanish army and gained him the name in a campaign against the British, who he had there designated Santo Domingo, which he would change later to Haiti. Now I want us to understand this is a man in the seventeen hundreds. Now it understand this hundreds of years now before the independence was really in America. This man, and well, Reconstruction, in 1791, he did battle. And in 1804, Haiti was a nation, just like America. It was a nation because of two suddenly over to us. So when we study history, let us think about it. But I, I want to speak to you just a little bit concerning. I want you to be aware of something. If you ever notice about Haiti, how the people treat the Haitians, even to this very day, how Haiti is is treated. I've noticed that people don't trade with Haiti. Haiti has been made a third world country. Even this great nation that we live in, we, we have to understand about why Haiti is in the shape that Haiti is in. Uh, Haiti is in the shape that's in because of the people uh, of, of Spain and France being uh, against them and not trading with them and making them a third world country. We refuse to accept them to come here because there were the people that stood up for uh, knowing that they're human. There are so many individuals that started things. We know about Martin Luther King and we know about several individuals that, that was here, but we don't know about two Sunday over to them who showed us, gave us the thing that blacks could fight back and get their independence. They didn't want that in America because they figured that, that this would change the thing because if the slave would rebel here and wasn't working, America could not. Black were not, or whites were not accustomed to doing hard work 
as they claim that we are today. I heard one guy once said that whites are angry with blacks today and say that blacks are lazy. But now they call us lazy because we actually get paid for our labor instead of back then when uh, when they had you working for free. So it's 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 one of those things we have to understand uh, just why certain things are. And notice today about how poor Haiti is, earthquakes and different things that people coups that's going over there. But no one stand up for Haiti. America won't even let Haitians come into America when even they're having civil wars going on there. They refuse to let them come there. And, and, and to me, it's a crying shame that a person would do another individual like that. Now, another person that, that, that I'd like to say, I'm not sure if, if Brother brother uh, Joe, uh, Professor Joe is on. On the line, if Professor Joy, if you're on the line, let me hear your voice. Brother Gary, are you on the line tonight? Well, if not, I, I'm going to just say a little something, touch on uh, Marcus Garvey is another person that was very, very strong and prolific for really the civil rights that's in America today. I know. We read a lot about Dr. Martin Luther King and others, but we need to know about this man called Marcus Garvey. Uh, we need to start reading our books and learn the true thing about it. Now, you have to understand that Marcus Garvey was born August, August 17th in 1887, but he was born in St. Anne Bay, Jamaica. Now, you have to understand that Marcus Garvey ended up being this prominent figure Starting back in the mm-hmm. early times, Marcus Garvey has always been very prominent. And he went around. Now, Marcus Garvey, he was an orator of the black nationalism and Pan-American movement, to which he founded the Universal Negro Improvement Association, an African committee League. Garvey advanced the Pan-African philosophy which inspired a global mass movement known as Garveyism. See, Garveyism would eventually inspire others from the nation of Islam to the Rastafarian movement. Now, what are you talking about? Garvey just didn't stay in Jamaica, but he took his, his, his movement further than just Jamaica. You might say Jamaica, this little island country, but, but Garvey took it further. And, and you have to understand that he was born in 1887, I told you, in St. Anne Bay, Jamaica. Mm-hmm. Self-educated, Garvey founded this Universal Negro Improvement Association. He dedicated his life for African Americans that live in there to resettle. He asked them to resettle in Africa. Take your finances and your trade and go back to Africa. Garvey was uh, the last of 11 children born to Marcus Garvey Sr., and his, his mother's name was Sarah Jane Richard. Now, later on, you are, you're going to find out that Garvey uh, came to, he left, when he left, excuse me, when Marcus left Jamaica, <clears throat> when he left Jamaica, Marcus went, went to um, Puerto Rico, 
and there he started organizing in Puerto Rico. But eventually he ended up in New York. And when he came to New York, he started putting together things because he, he was able mm-hmm. to do different things in New York where he wasn't able to do in other places. You have to understand when he had that United that that, that University United Negro Improvement Association, they renowned all over the United States. They had chapters all over. But what's ironic about it, they had more chapters of this United Negro uh, thing right here in Louisiana. They had more than anywhere else. There was 17. So the South wasn't as bad as others thought. Now, I want us to listen at this. Garvey returned to Jamaica in 1912 after he had founded this University Improvement Association with a goal of all African dispersal and establishing country absolute government its own. In response to it, Booker T. Washington, an American educator who founded Tuskegee Institute, Garvey traveled to the United States in 1916 to raise funds for similar ventures mm-hmm. in Jamaica. This when he settled in New York and formed the UNIA chapter in Harlem to promote separatist philosophy for social, political, and economic freedom for black people. This happened in 1918. Garber began publishing the widely distributed newspaper, Negro World, to convey his message. Now, listen to this. I know you haven't heard much about Garvey. This started in 1919, the UNIA. Now, Martin Luther King and others came later on, but Garvey was already starting things right here. He started in Jamaica, and he moved it here, self-educated. And I find it strange today that our kids will not get themselves educated. For some reason, we refuse to get ourselves educated. And, you know, in August of 1920, the UNIA claimed 4 million members and held its first international convention at Madison Square Garden in New York City before a crowd of 25,000 people, all from all over the world. Marcus Garvey spoke of having pride in African history and culture, Mm -hmm. and many found this word inspiring but not all some established black leaders found his separatist philosophy ill-conceived w.e. DeBose, a prominent black leader and officer of the NWCP called Garvey the most dangerous enemy that the black race in America Garvey felt DeBose was an agent of the white elitists now they 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 they, differ, they had different opinion on what had happened now you have to understand too the FBI, J. Edgar Hoover, was fixated on running Garvey mm-hmm. out of the country and having Garvey watched every step of the way. Now, I, I want you to understand, whenever a person uh, really just really stand up for themselves, I found out that they're hated through, uh, through the media because for some reason, not some reason, I know what the reason is, uh, this thing about blacks being uh, inferior is still something that uh, whites have been embedded in them, and those that are educated know better than that. They understand who blacks really are. They understand who the Egyptians. They understand about the blacks in, in, in Nigeria and 
the Euro Bowl and people from Benai and, and other places they know about Mali and they know about Timbuktu, they know about the Moors people, but we don't know about ourselves. So it's, it's so much many things that mm-hmm. we've been successful in building that they had building, they're finding things, excavating things right now around Nigeria and other places, uh, in the uh mid the mid the middle parts of Africa that go back eight thousand years. Eight thousand years ago they were just coming out of caves and uh before that less than eight thousand, maybe about six thousand years ago. They had not long came out of caves in, in Europe. Uh, and if you would even talk about it in the Europe, got that the European knowledge came from Greeks. The Greeks and the Greeks got their knowledge, you know. Herodias would tell you he had his. They got their knowledge. Herodias, and um, they would tell you they got their knowledge from uh, 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 Egypt. During that time, they were trained. So I want, want you to understand that that you're no way uh, behind anyone else. So it's important, it's imperative that we understand these things. Now, I talked to you about two Sunday overtures. I talked to you about something about Marcus Garvey because Marcus Garvey really was the one who initiated the uh, civil rights movement for us. Really, Mm -hmm. if you go back, he really started doing it. And, you know, we have this flag, the red, red, green, and black flag, red, black, and green flag, and He's the one at Pan Africa who started that that flag. So I, I want us to understand that and understand people. You think that people don't know about that? If people, you know, now this thing about DNA is is it's 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 spreading like wildfire. DNA could do some of everything to help you find out who you are, where you came from. Uh, who's your people? Because I, I I take that ancestry of DNA and I I've been finding mm-hmm. out exactly the different areas that are in me from coming through slavery. I have so many different places like Yoruba is is the most uh, part of me is Yoruba and around the Congo and Yoruba. But then it's next uh, it's uh, the next I think it's now I think it's Nigerian and it's, it's some others. It's Mali is. It's Benai and Ghana and things like that, uh, Sierra Leone and, and other things. But then I have Native Americans. I have Irish and Eastern European, Northeastern European, Germanic, and things like that, blood. And I know how this how this Germanic and other things that came about in my bloodline and come by my great ancestors being raped. But nevertheless, this thing about DNA, it tells you a lot. But when these white scientists began to trace the DNA, this DNA, they mm-hmm. found that everyone could trace our DNA back in the maternal line, meaning the, the female line, inherited to my, a mitochondrial DNA within the cells of all humans, have theoretically the common ancestors. And, and, and theoretically, all of us came from the same person. No matter what color is, your complex, it's just a count of the complex uh, of your complex. This woman's name was mitochondria Eve. Now, mitochondria Eve, and it's important that we get this and, and really put this in our head. In between 100 to 200,000 years ago, they found this lady around around Tanzania, uh, around the, around going to a, a 
sub-Saharan Africa, she was not the first human, but eventually other human lineage eventually had no female offspring, failing to pass on this mitochondrial DNA, and as a result of all humans mm-hmm. today carry traces, can trace their mitochondrial DNA back to mitochondria, this black woman. Within her DNA and that of her peers exists all the genetic variation we see in contemporary humans humans since Eve time. Different populations of humans have, have drifted apart genetically, forming distinct ethnic groups that we see today. Now, and, and what that tells us that it does not matter if you're from China, it does not matter if you're from Japan, India, Russia, North Northwestern Europe, Europe, uh, Native American, South America, uh, those out in the Pacific Islanders, Australian, Aboriginals. No matter where you come from, you carry this dated mm-hmm. DNA. You carry her DNA. Everyone came from a now now. Out of Africa didn't start until 70,000 years ago. And, and, and now these are things that people don't want taught in school today. They don't want the truth. It's not CRT. It's not critical race theory. And that's one thing that they're fighting so hard to tell and let their children, and then I'm talking about Europeans, I'm talking about Caucasians, fighting so hard to keep their children from learning the truth, who they are. And they will find out that they came from Africa. That 1.3 billion people that live in Africa, you know, you have to understand that. That 1.3 billion people is so much more than that list. 700 and what, nine, seven point mm-hmm. 700 million uh, Caucasians in the world. Just not counting the African people that's are that's not living on the African continent, it, it, they dwarf the population of, of just the Caucasian race, just in Africa alone. Not counting the Africans in India, not counting the Africans that live in Europe, not counting the Africans that live African that 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 migrated to Canada or America, uh, South America, the islands and. Uh, uh, no, it, all over the world, Pacific Islands. Now, now it's imperative that we understand those things. That that these are things that's not that that people don't want taught. And they even show you further information on it. About 315 years before the birth of Christ, they had a man who died about 315 years before Christ, and he he he, he was living in South Africa. He is the closest known relative or the closest match yet known to humanity to the female ancestor, mitochondria E. Now, this is Africa. They know he was a fisherman because he lived on the coast, and he's the closest genetic match to mitochondria E. They found his fossils around what they call St. Helen Bay in South Africa. And if you want to look it up, you can find the archaeologist's name, uh, was Andrew Smith at the University of Cape Town. Now it's imperative that we understand these things 
it, 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 it's so imperative that we understand who we are. So you have to understand, even before mitochondria ease, they found they found fossils much earlier than they found millions of years ago. They found mm-hmm. what they call uh, Homo habilis, and when you talk about Homo habilis, they talk about man first walking upright, and they call her Lucy is Australopithecus, and they found the fossil in 1974 uh, around uh, in Ethiopia. Now, when they found this fossil, what they call her Lucy, and she was found by Don Johansson and Tom Gray. Uh, this fossil they named her Lucy. She was three point three point two million years old. This hermit was known as Lucy. Three million two hundred thousand years ago, she walked the earth from Africa. And then they even go even that further back, but you could go about they got what you call zenzatropy. Zenzatropy mm-hmm. is two point, I think, six million years. And these discoveries were made by Lewis Leakey and his wife Mary Douglas Leakey. And uh, these you talking about paleontologists who discovered the first proconsul skull. And you 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 talking about when they talk about the word proconsul means that these some apes that start walking. It, upright and they're the closest extinct ape that you know they believe the ancestor to human beings but i beg to differ with their finding on that now mary douglas uh she discovered a robust what they call zenzantropy zenzantropus uh skull in the old deep guard that's in tanzania that's where they say life originated from in the old deep guard a little bit over there around uh Mount Kilimanjaro. Uh, several archaeological and anthropological mm-hmm. fossils of the ancestral ape and human. While excavating old deep guards, they found tools and utensils dating back, stating that man was able to make tools millions of years ago. And that, that man just didn't start making tools, that man was able to make different things millions of years ago. Now, when they say that Lucy, they talk about Lucy and others, they say that she was bipedability, walking upright. Some of them go back, they even found some footprints in volcanic ash that go back to 3.75 million years ago. You know, we have to understand Tim White came, Tim White discovery came before Lucy. 4.4 4.4 million years ago. It has so much. All these things came from a place in Africa. Mm-hmm. You have to understand, they know, I mean, the, the study, when, whenever they're looking for fossils or find out where did man originate from, and it's a known fact that's not taught the way it should be taught, uh, but they, they go to Africa to find the oldest fossils in the world of where the human originate, they go to Africa because they know that 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 black, the color black, or the color of African is the real color of mankind. They know that is the prime color of mankind. Now, other colors are just almost like a mixture of fade color. 
Okay, we have to understand, too, when you start talking about uh, genetics, you have to deal with a person called uh, Gregoire Mendel, and he was noted by most people as the father of genetics. And from him we find out that with Mm -hmm. the genetics, it deals with the inheritance involving, you know, the passing on discrete units of genes from one parent to another. In other words, that we we inherit our our parents' genes. But I want want you to understand, and and I'm gonna uh, tell you some things about about what Mendel came up. Mendel uh, law explained how we pick up different traits and talk about different uh, colors and things or different things that represent dominant uh, traits, a dominant gene, a uh, recessive gene. Now Mendel had some laws, and they deal with uh, when people came out of Africa, out of Africa, he had the law of independence assortment. If you assault people independently and other, they're going to resemble a certain way. And then he had the independence dominant, the people that the, the dominant people will prevail. If you take a dominant, mm-hmm. the dominant uh, person, the color is going to always come out that way. You can't get uh, a dominant from a recessive. And then the law of segregation. The law of segregation, if you segregate certain people to certain areas, they'll begin to multiply, look like that person. And I, I think about it when I look at China and look at if you go to different countries that that does not mix with other countries like China and Russia and Japan, the people are going to look like Jap- The Japanese people look like Japanese. The Chinese look like Chinese. They're not black. But like America is a, a melting pot, so you'll find people. But Mendel came up with certain things with his law. Mendel came up and found out that black and brown skin come from dominant genes. Dominant, and that word dominant means superior. Brown eyes came from <laughs> dominant genes. He said light skin came from recessive genes. Blue eyes came from recessive genes. Now, I, I, I hate to bust certain people bubble, and I know a lot of even the scientists, Caucasian scientists, don't like to admit these facts. See, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break that down in a few. Now, what you could do, you could get the, you could take two dominant people, and the two dominant people could come from the Sudan in Africa, which the darkest people in the world come from. And you could take those two individuals and put them together, and they could come up with a child that looked white. It's called albino. But you can't take two white individuals and make a, a black child. Because, see, you could get the recessive from the dominant, but you can't get the dominant from the recessive. Because the, the dominant is is superior, and the recessive is... is uh, it's 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 a recessive. Now, and if you think I'm kidding about that, all you have to do is find that the report on what they call hidden DNA discovery, only found in Black African people, and, and all you have to do is look it up. Carter T. Otis. And then um, you have to look this up, and it's called the World DNA Strand, the American Association of the Advancement of Science, a DNA 
series, Genome. And you can look it up. You can find this man's name is Dr. Edward Robinson. And he, he made some profound statements. Now, when you, you look in this up, and I want when I say things, I, I, I want you guys to learn to go back mm-hmm. and look over these things and because I don't want to ever lie to you. See, see, we have a different series. Now, what they call this thing is, uh, it's called the Global Pattern of Disequilibrium. It measured the intelligence of people and the possibility for people to be a genius. Listen to what I'm saying. It's called this measure your intelligence. The greater the number of the series, the greater the possibility is to be a, a genius. It's called a global pattern of disequilibrium. And I think, and I've said this several nights, but I want this because I don't know if it's if there are some new individuals that's tuning in tonight to my show, but I want us to understand you got DNA have sequence and DNA have series. Mm-hmm. Now I want you to understand that sequence could help tell what area uh, your ancestors came from, but the series could help you deal with the intelligent level. Most uh, scientists, arche- archaeologists, uh, anthropologists and many others, uh, especially anthropologists, uh, talk about that uh, anthropologists. They say we came from apes and others. So to find out about the intelligence of humans, you have to start from where they say we originated from. And so the first animal they test from the ape family was the orangutan, orangutan. And notice what I, I tried to tell you guys that uh, the higher the series, the more intelligent that 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 animal person is. Now, this is 15 scientists who wrote this paper. They didn't publish the book, but it's copyrighted, and it's copyrighted on the global patterns of this equilibrium. They found out that the orangutan, the orangutan have three series, and that. That that's low. Then they tested the gorilla. The gorilla had four series. They even tested the chimpanzee, and the chimpanzee had five series. Now then they said, well, we had tested the animals, and the chimpanzees was the closest to the human being, and the chimpanzee had a higher series uh, than uh, the rest of the gorilla or the, or the orangutan. So that's the one that they say that we came from, the chimp family. Now, now, now they went to Europe and these other areas where Caucasians, Japanese, and other places all over the world. And when they test those endohumans, they came up with six series higher than any chimpanzee, any gorilla, any orangutan, and any other. But one place they did not test. They didn't test Africa, and when they decided to test Africa, they test people from West Africa. And for those uh, African-Americans who live in America, most of our people that came over as slaves, the slaves came from West Africa. They tested the West African, 
And when they test the West African, the West African came up with nine series, three series above all the other races. Now, notice they said that series is a measure of intelligence. And a greater possibility mm-hmm. of being a genius is the higher your series is. Now, now Africans were nine had nine series, so that's three higher than the six for the other nations, the Caucasians in Europe. Now, I want you to understand this. Have you ever under, have you ever paid attention that every field that African Americans have been able to participate in or allowed us to get into. They were talking about, even talking about the Tuskegee Airmen, how good a, a fighter pilots they were. Then uh, when you talk about fiber optic wiring, uh, 5G and all this other stuff, communications and all kind of things like this, they're talking about fiber optics. Do you know that blacks invented that? You're talking about some, we're talking about individuals that are very, very intelligent. Now, through slavery, we have this thing been interbreeding and molding on us that we dumb in, that we, 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 we're inferior to other races, but the other races know mm-hmm. that you're not inferior at all, that you carry dominant genes. The GPS system, global positioning system, it works out of space. It works on land. When I travel out of state, I could put my GPS and and I could just I could key in the, the address of someone in Florida and we leave Louisiana and it drive me right up to their door. And global position by a black lady, fiber optic, a black lady. And that cell phone is just just about over half of America is not counting all over the world have cell phones. That was invented by a black person. The typewriter, a black person. The gas mask used in all the refineries, mm-hmm. chemical plants for war. Invented by a black man. Safety goggles, eye protection. The elevator for all these high-rise buildings. The clothes dryer. The air conditioning unit. The Armanek higher plant. The different parts of the moon, full moon, half moon, how to plant your crops, the high tide, the low tide. This is blacks. Most of the people, farmers today, use the almanac to, to plant their crops by. This is a black man. Blood plasma bag, the lawnmower, the lube cup. Without a lube cup, you couldn't have a train. You couldn't have an airplane. You couldn't have more automobiles because... Uh, uh, if you run these metal parts, it will weld itself itself together when it overheats. The refrigerator, Mm -hmm. the spark plug, not one car can run without a spark plug. Now, the stethoscope is so old, it was invented by Amon Hotel in Egypt, one of the builders of the first step pyramid. Now, I know that we were told and by television, how it lies to us that 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 they show some white people, which the whites were not the Hebrews, that the Hebrews built a pyramid. But they say during Moses' time, Moses was actually uh, 1,300 years before Christ, and 1,300 years before Christ, that would make it 3,000, 
300 and some odd years. The pyramids is over 5,000 years old, some six. So the children of Israel wasn't even there when they, when they, when they were, if they did go to when they were in Egypt, the pyramids had already been built. So that's just mm-hmm. Hollywood that, that we're looking at. That's just Hollywood that we're looking at. All we have to do is do the research, and you'll find these things out. Uh, the stomach that control. Why would we be with all of this traffic without a traffic light? That's a, 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 a black invented this. this these ex-slaves, the electric light bulb, bulb. this is blacks. Now, I, I don't want to keep naming because I got so many more I could name, but I just wanted to name name some certain things that uh we that we uh that blacks have invented just to let you know the intelligent level and to let you know that you're no way dumb. But it's it's not taught in high school and no one wanted taught in high school because the uh, the, the the young white kids they'll find out that mm-hmm. they're not responsible for inventing a lot of things. Not to make them feel dismayed or down or anything, but why why you won't teach this in school because then they would realize that they didn't really invent or find things. That when they came to to the Americas around Hispaniola, it was already. Uh, they already had people living there. When they came to the Americas, you can't discover a place with millions and millions of individuals. You cannot do that. So that's very, very important that we we, we understand that that you cannot that and then tell tell them the truth that you kill off the people and took their land. Uh there's so much that need to be taught the truth about all these inventions and I, I you know I oftentimes I see this I see this while we're talking. It's never taught mm-hmm. that they had blacks in, 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 in America long before Columbus or anyone came this way. And and, and you know, this this elderly white lady, her name is Jane Elliott, she is she's an anti race racism activist and she made a statement on television. And she'd been on several television shows, and she made this statement. She said she once made a statement and said that wouldn't have to that wouldn't have to be a Black Lives Matter if we didn't have 300 years of Black Lives Don't Matter, and how they're still killing different people. And then Dr. Keith Chain explained, and he writes this: that white people is a mutation of African is a mutation of Africa. That's the one thing mm-hmm. they don't do. In other words, you just are offspin off of Africa. And in reality, if I have a white catfish, it's called an albino. If I have a white alligator, I'm from Louisiana now. If I come up with a white alligator, it's called an albino alligator. If I have a white tiger, that white tiger is called an albino tiger. If I have a white lion, it's albino. Everything is albino or albino that comes out white. But I found out that when it comes to white folks, they don't like to admit that they're really albino. 
because they know that and that they're, they're no more than a mutation. And it's important that we don't we don't have very good vocabularies and things. So it's time that we start doing our research. Now it's important that we understand. See, the mm-hmm. definition of a mutation. A mutation is this, and I'm telling you now. Listen at what I'm about to say, and I'm gonna take my time and explain this. A white folk mutated from Africans that don't have the color because they lost their color. Listen at what a mutation is. A mutation is the change of a structure of a genome resulting in a variant form that may be transmitted to subsequent generations. So when this the this this the change of this genome happened, they've been passing on to subsequent generations and coming out this color. Caused now they say that it was caused by an alteration of a single base unit of DNA or depletion or insertion or rearrangement of a larger section of a gene. All it did is they say a deletion. That the deletion mm-hmm. is in melanin. They don't have melanin, so they don't have skin color. They can't live in the heated area because they don't have melanin to block the sun rays, okay? That's why you wear dark-colored eyeglasses when you work in and the sun is beaming down. Now, in other words, a mutation is the – now, listen to what it said. A mutation is ultimately the only way in which new vari- variants in a species – the only way a new variant, a new uh, race or species could come in is through a mutation of one. And the mutation occurred with Africans. Okay, now we've been hearing about mutation and COVID-19 mutating and this variant. You start with the COVID-19, okay, and then you, you have the, the next strain, Delta strain uh, variant of it. Then you go to... To, to Omicron variant. Mm-hmm. Now it's a new variant that's coming out now. But now that word variant, we, we, we listen at them, talk about things on television and other places and radio, and we look it up on YouTube and we find out what they talk about variants. Now the, the definition of a variant is very good to tell you what how white, the color people change color, tell you that they were black. A variant is, is a form or version of something that differ in some respect from other forms of the same thing or from a standard. They are variant. They came, you know, the, the, they were black, but they came about in respects to another form. They changed the form of what they were. Now, even now, we, we, we sometimes we use the difference in the hair. But I submit to you that there are difference in hair mm-hmm. in different places in Africa that does not have European blood in them. Africa can, the African people from Africa could be brown. They could be the darkest of the dark. They could be brown. They could have curly, straight hair. It does not matter that their hair is there. And also, uh, I'm not going to get into it because I'm about to, open the lines and certain things that I wanted to uh, talk about uh, to Sunday Overture and and briefly touch on uh, Marcus Garvey and uh, talk about the voting rights that's going on that's not being looked at because of Ukraine. 
but we have problems right here in America. We need to need to solve problems. Try try to solve these problems at home. I don't want anyone to die, but we need to concentrate here because a whole lot of people is totally dissatisfied with what's going on, and, and, and blacks are still dying on the street at the hands of police, and they're still getting away with killing mm-hmm. blacks and. Then they come up with things why we are angry people because you keep killing us and you never get punished until you start punishing you and you stop killing us. Then that, and and I'm very well aware how we're killing one another because I'm an advocate activist against black on black crime. Amen. Now I want to say this, and we're going to go it on, and I'm going to open it up. I always want to get a, the the understand. Don't let them fool you about, like, whites, European was the first people to come over here. There have always been uh, people of the African uh, Negro features that always lived in America. Some of the Native Americans were of the Negro race. Okay, but even down in Mesoamerica, the Olmec people, Mm -hmm. and you could go down there and they have these Omic colossal heads made of basalt, that's basalt boulders, and they range from 1.7 to 3.4 meters. Some of them date back to 900 years before Christ, back to King David time. Omic, and then, you know, you talk about thousands of years before uh, Columbus ever came, and Columbus, we need to stop lying that he came to America. Because where I told you about Tucson the Overture, he landed out there what they call Hispaniel, which is around one side or other side of Haiti. They call it Hispaniel right now. The Omec, uh, Omec is a civilization of ancient Mesoamerican. Some are in the Mexi- in Mexico called La Venta, San Lorenzo. Mm-hmm. Zapatez, Veracruz, and then some of them date back as far as 1200 B.C., almost during the time of Moses, 1200 B.C., these, these, these people were here. Some say they were here before Aztecs. They might, the Aztecs might all breed it from them. There's a total that they found. Oh. Colossal heads have been discovered to this day. And Tenzo, ten of them are in San Lorenzo, and four of them are in La Venta. And they even have them some in the Andes Mountains. And so it's things that, that, that we need to research to find out about these uh, things about that's going on. And it's another thing. Let us learn what systemic racism is. It's the same thing as almost mm-hmm. institutional racism. Institutional racism is also known as systemic racism. It's a form of racism that is embedded as normal practice within society. That's in America. Where when we say that America, uh, by systemic racism in America, is is uh, practice within the society as a normal practice within society and organization, it can lead to um, through discrimination and criminal justice, employment, housing, health care, political powers, education, 
It reflected in the disparity regarding wealth, income, and criminal justice. Now, I just spell out United States of America dealing with African-American people. All these things says we have always been discriminated against, excuse, excuse me, discriminated against in the judicial system, the criminal justice system, employment, housing, health care, political power, education, mm-hmm. disparity regarding the wealth and income. All of this is, is reflective of what we're going through right now in America, not during slavery, not in the 18 or the 1500s, but in America this very day today. God bless you. I just thank God for my listeners who are listening in, and I pray that the information and the things that I talked about, that people could take this in and, and feel interested in, this, we should feel interested in picking up books and reading these books and becoming familiar with the different books that we have mm. and that, that learn about yourself. You know, I love when the Bible, the Bible said, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. We don't even know who we are. We 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 are, we've been told, and it's been we we've been we our eyes should be open to the fact that we lost our culture, we lost our history, we lost our language. We don't have people without a history, without a culture, without a language. The culture that we carry right now is Eurocentric. It's 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 is European. It's Caucasians. You know, we live up to all the expectation, what looks good, how we should live our life. Everything is patterned up on those who are conquered and killed the people and took their land and, and who enslaved us. That's where our culture comes from. So it's time that we realize it and we stand up and learn about ourselves and do better mm-hmm. and become a self-sufficient people. And we don't have to leave America, but we sure could – could could stand up and be another Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, and be a beautiful city. Because no one is going to help you. We need to help ourselves. And that way, I do believe what Marcus Garvey said, that we should help ourselves. And sometimes I've had so many people, and these educators say that uh, integration might have hurt us more than it helped us because it, it it made us go to sleep like we was going somewhere and never went anyway. Thank you, and God bless you. Uh, uh, Pastor Williams, you could open the lines up and read for our Q&A. Amen, amen. God bless you, Pastor. Thank you for a very powerful show, Dr. Kim. Uh, God bless everyone. Thank you for turning us on. The lines are now open mm-hmm. for you. We have a conversation with Dr. Kim. Uh, you got a question, got a comment, a statement. The line is open for you now. God bless you. Welcome to the show, History Talk. Good evening. Good evening. How y'all doing, Seth? Uh, good evening. God bless. God bless y'all. Uh, love the program. As we got, I was trying to listen to it, but also trying to get some work done. A battery ran dead on the phone and it cut off. So I was unable to. Uh, speak with y'all, but I was there listening. Uh, Dr. Kemp continues to try to bring a bright light 
into some damn circumstances that we're living in and times that we live in, especially if you're an American slave descendant. And the state of America today, where it's, uh, they they rather go back to the old injustices rather than sit down and openly admit if it's true or not. And that's sad that uh, we have uh, individuals who profess to be Christians but don't want to just simply say, is it true? Yes, I know. If it's the truth, then we just sit down and admit that it's true, start working on some better ways that we can uh, deal with each other as human beings because God created everybody. We're all blessed to be alive, period. Uh, but it's just these individuals that said that when good people are in office, the people rejoice and authority, the people rejoice. But when wicked people are in authority, the people cry out. So we, we obviously this is where there must be some wicked people in authority because we have some serious problems, like uh, Dr. Kemp said, that we need to address right here at home. That's the cost of America. What do you call that? Uh, I guess you could call it homicidal genocide that we are facing as um, American slave descendants everywhere across America where we are. We're killing each other like never before. It's not recorded in slavery or nowhere where we kill each other now more than anybody else. I mean, no, we don't, that's inexcusable. I ain't. Understand it. Tell it, brother George. Tell it. Say it. It's just crazy. I mean, I I mean, I don't understand it. Where are the fathers and the mothers who don't want to see their children pass on like that? The objective used to be to live long, to be happy. Now it's like, man, I don't care if I live or die. What did they say? The get rich die trying. But uh, right now, right now, across the width and breadth of America, mm-hmm. it's, like, it's it's homicidal genocide. Young blacks are killing each other like it's a war zone or something. I mean, not that many brothers got killed in Vietnam in the war the way we're killing one another now. I, I don't understand. I don't understand. It's true. Where's the parenting? It used to be uh, families got together at dinner time. It used to have rules. When the lights come on in the street lights, you got to be at home. You know, where's the home structure? You know, uh, uh, a young lady told me in the store, she said uh, they took prior out of school. And the question nowadays is, are the schools any better off? <laughs> nope. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it, it's time, Dr. Dr. William, that mm. we as a people, American slave descendants, we have to sit down and start taking on some responsibility and talk about the truth. The truth has lost itself. Ain't nobody sitting out at the dinner table saying grace together anymore as a family. They want to pass by a Popeye and, and and uh, raising chains and jack in the box and nobody sits down at the table and say a, a, a grace together anymore as a family. That's not even heard of anymore. Uh, nobody discusses that. Let alone get on their knees and say a prayer before they go to bed at night. You don't even hear that being talked about anymore. 
and it used to be commonplace. It's uh, like uh, Will Smith and other entertainers were on TV, and they were saying, like, hey, you know, them people made them come and pray. You had you got your butt whipped at school for acting out. You got your butt whipped at home for acting out. Now, you know, it's like, oh, oh, you need to take them to counseling and have them and sit down mm-hmm. and talk with them. No, a child learns what they live. So if it's all chaotic and chaos go on, then the child going to start acting out. Because crazy is normal for the child. And right now, God knows, I guess it's, it's the time where he said, you know, that uh, it would be a time when there would be that generation that didn't know God. All right. And didn't know God. Yeah, and all the great and wonderful things that he had done for us. We didn't have an army to take us out of slavery. Then get and get rid of the slave master. God did that. God told him it was time to finish it. Stop it. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, it stopped. But now we we have those individuals who was and, and they, the one thing about it, they're doing everything they can to see folks come back. Fortunately, like Dr. Kemp says, a lot of us who just don't want to hear the truth. The truth is not being discussed anymore. So we, we we have some serious issues that have to be resolved here in America, across the width and breadth of America. And, and where are our leaders? Where are the garbage and the two-cent overtures and the kings and the Malcolms? Where are they? You know, it, it should be commonplace now that Every one of us should be that way in our homes. We've had enough examples. We know Jesus. Amen. But we have those individuals like the stand heaven who said, we need to do something about that Jesus. Mm-hmm. The people ain't following us no more. The people who are doing the right thing, joining together for, for the betterment, for the good of all, instead of just a few. And that, we, we went back to the few things. That's where it's at. I, I don't quite understand. What is the answer to that? What is the answer to that? Yeah, that, that what, uh, I've seen a little bumper sticker said, what, uh, how do they say that? Uh, N-O, no Jesus. N-O, no peace. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Amen. That's what it's saying. It's you know. You don't have Jesus, you don't have no peace. Amen. You know, and, and we've got to switch the children. So I, I can clearly remember. Yeah, you 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 had to say the, the prayer and the pledges from the elementary going. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, is the other schools better off today without prayer than they were with prayer? Mm-hmm. You took prayer. And the school's still trying to educate the children, but they're doing a bad job because the children too busy killing one another, shooting up the place. Kids, every time you turn around, a child got a gun in the, in the book sack at school. The child shoots dead. There's no way you can see it like that. I understand. We got to go back further. You understand what I'm saying? And take coke. And the old folks say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Let's go back to what's working. <laughs> Let's go back to what's working. Well, I thank y'all for y'all time, brother. I thank y'all for your program, God bless y'all. 
Stay strong, brother, because it's, it's, it's a mad, mad world out here right now. So true. So true. God bless you. Guys. God bless you. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Amen. We, we thank you, uh, Brother George, uh, for those things. I really feel that today that um, that self-genocide, we, we're killing one another, and we want to blame it. You know, I want to say this. I, I really need to say this because I speak for uh, pertaining to uh, because African-Americans or Africans have been left out of the history books. So I talk about, I bring up the, the accomplishments and the things that's in history, anthropology, archaeology, and so many other things like that, paleontology. Uh, I speak on those things. I speak about the history of this country and other countries. Uh, I speak of that, but I want to make this statement, make it clear. There are bad white people, but there are good white people. There are bad black people, and there are good black people. Uh, The thing about uh, the race thing is this fact. If you see another person doing somebody, treating someone wrong, then when that person is doing someone wrong, if you don't say nothing about it, then you're just as guilty for not telling that person that they're mistreating a person or that person is wrong. Uh, So you just do what you want. We need to step forward and to try to get the crime out of our neighborhood. The uh, so-called pastors that we have today are so busy trying to entertain and get money from um, people, the, the, the parishioners, until they're not worried about how to help. They're worried about their paycheck. They're not trying to worry about anything about those people that's in that congregation. So I'm, I'm of the impression that we're failing them. Uh, if the teachers, I know when my my parents gave my teachers the right to spank me, if, well, you know, when we can say, I just say, get a whooping. Uh, if I if I did something in class, and my mother didn't go to the school uh, to jump on the teacher because I got spanked, they had permission to we call it corporal punishment. They had uh, the permission for the corporal punishment, and uh, it didn't have it today. Somebody with long fingernails with hard pressed hair would come and jump on you and tell you. Don't don't hit their child, and we had this little joke we tell us well about sending baby children to school. You don't train them as deacon, as a deacon George say. You don't train them and teach the child anything, and the child go there to school because they're not being raised properly, and so they don't know how to act. And sooner or later, they're gonna have guns in class and everything else because the parents haven't taught them respect mm-hmm. for life. And uh, I'm just not talking about the black kids because uh, Caucasian kids usually be the ones to come shoot up the whole school. <laughs> black kids have all kind of fights and different things, but not many of them are the ones to come and shoot the whole school up. So it's it's, it's a lot to that. Uh, do we have another caller that would like to ask a question or add something to our program? The only dumb question is one not asked. Do we have anyone that would like to add something to this program? Amen. 
Dr. Kemp. Yes, sir. Well, I was just wanted to speak. You were listing some uh, black African American inventors and things, and I was just as crossed my mind. Dr. Charles Drew, and it tells us where America, where we stand. Dr. Charles Drew invented. Well, he discovered plasma, and and how to use it. And he died needing that same procedure, but he wasn't allowed to go into the hospital because he was an African American and received the treatment that he discovered. That's just how it gives a testament to how we stand in America. Totally correct. Uh, When when Dr. Drew did that and they spin the the blood and the plasma rise to the top and they would skim it off and they could use it to help build uh, 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 your immune system and other things up with the plasma, and then they put the blood back in you and they extract the plasma, and your body will make that plasma back up because you could go and sell plasma even to this day. There have been so many inventions that we've done. Like I said, I've only touched bases on on a few of them, but I was talking about the plasma bags and others that they have, uh, you know, dealing with what they go through, something like what they call a centrifuge, if I'm right. Uh, Right. Yeah, we have to look into those different things. And like you said, uh, there's something like Brother Keith. Uh, it's so much that we've done, but if we don't research it and tell our children, you hear what they say today, they don't want CTR in, in the public school. They want only things taught is a bunch of lies that Europeans did everything, and people from other nations, didn't their countries, didn't do anything. And it's so far from the truth. The only thing that the only the few things that Europeans really did was come like savages and kill people and take the take stuff from them. I told said I didn't want to get into the Berlin Conference, but it, but uh, I do that at a at a later date dealing with the Berlin Conference about how Africa with without Africa you couldn't have a, have have a world. Just about every every uh, different. Uh, semi-precious stone, just about all this different stuff come from Africa. And Africa is not the largest continent. It's the second largest continent. Russia is the largest continent, but only a few, uh, not much of it is livable. You can't live in that because most of it is a frozen tundra, just like right now in the Ukraine. Man, these guys are over there fighting below zero temperature. Russian soldiers have falls being false bitten and everything because some nights over there get below zero. They don't know the terrain that they're fighting in, so they're giving up. And so they're getting, they getting wore out. They're getting wore out, so now they're going to supersonic missiles. But uh, if you look at it, Russia is really a frozen tundra. And, and matter of fact, most of Europe is, is no more than a uh, one person says Europe is a thawed-out icebox. Most of Europe is frozen. If you ever look it up, you'll find out that most of uh, 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 of, of uh, Europe, if you look at it on a globe and, and look at the latitude that it's on, you'll see how high up its elevation. Most of it is above New York. Matter of fact, if you go to the Mediterranean Sea, it's above Georgia. That's how they know Christ 
<laughs> wasn't out there in December because you talking about around Virginia would be uh, Jerusalem is almost about on the latitude of, of Virginia. There's nowhere in the world you're going to be out in that cold weather talking about sleeping with a child sleeping in a barn. Born, born in the in the, in the late uh, beginning of the fall, while they were still warm, or the late summer. Most of your, your better scholars say so. It, it's certain things that Jesus was not, and we have to tell our children better. And stop putting those pictures of a white man up in your church that that's Jesus, because Caucasians wasn't for not from that area. Hebrews were not Caucasian people. Even Billy Graham had to admit to it. Many years ago, Billy Graham said it, that Jesus was not white. But do you think that that, that, that that Caucasian will make a black picture of somebody black and put up there for their child to bow down and pray to him and call him the son of God so they make the person look like them? And so our children look for Jesus Christ to be a white man. The church that I pastor do not have a picture of Jesus in it. And until the day I leave this world in that church, and as long as I'm, well, not leave this world, but as uh, long as I am the pastor of it, we will not have a picture of Christ. The Christ never left a picture. Adolf Hitler said that he, he was very photogenic because he didn't want to be like Christ. In other words, false represented. In other words, so he took a lot of pictures so people know how he looked. And he wasn't a German. Adolf Hitler was from Austria. Amen. Uh, Brother Keith, you had something else you wanted to ask or you wanted to add into us tonight? Oh, no, that was, that was about it, I think. Uh, it was something else, but it, it slipped my mind, Reverend Kemp. I might think about it in a second. <laughs> Hello? This is... Uh, Brother Keith is one of with a very good uh, student that I teach, and uh, I just want to say uh, one night, the other night we was uh, dealing with contemporary thoughts about the contemporary church, and uh, he 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 told us certain things that occurred, and I was very impressed with that how he read ahead and he knew certain things about it and. That's what we have to do. We have to put some research and do reading. When you're not doing anything, pick up a book. I, I have so many books until I'm even ashamed that I, I could go in, 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 in my uh, I could go in, in, in my little room, my little my little room where uh, my dining room where I got bookcases. I have so many books laying around. It's a shame that I have it looked that way. But I, I, I read. I'm, I'm an avid reader. I live by myself, and I'm an avid reader. So uh, I thank God I had the time for to do it. And I'm going to keep doing it because I want to know who I am, and I want to be able to uh, I want to be able to know about myself, you know, and things like that. You know, one thing about you can never you know, a person. With knowledge of himself, you can never make him a slave. Mm-hmm. Only when you can make a slave. That's why they destroyed us of knowledge of ourselves, our language, and our cultures. Once you have knowledge of yourself and your culture, you can never be made a slave. 
You 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 might lock me up, but you can't never take my mind. Mm-hmm. That's how so many people make it through forty, fifty years in prison. They never allowed you to take their mind. They never took you their culture. You never take their language, and you never take certain things away. You could you could lock me up like the Apostle Paul was. You could mm-hmm. lock him up, but you could never separate him from Christ. Amen. <laughs> Is there anyone else that have any question or comp or uh, 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 something that they would add to uh, our discussion tonight. Yeah, uh, hello? Yes. Hello? Yes, Dr. Kemp. Uh, this is uh, Brother George again. Uh, in, in, the, in, in the Bible college that you have, uh, I've, I've been reading this book <laughs> called Cast by Isabel Wilkinson. And it really, it hurted me when I was reading the book because it, it showed so this it's been written about so many times by so many people, and uh, this particular author Isabel Wilkerson, this this young lady wrote this thing about caste, and it was about the way caste system functioned in India when uh, the oppressed poor people were used by mm-hmm. the upper class, and it's the same system that was used here in America, uh, and, and, and unfortunately. It's still going on today. It kind of depressed me after I looked at it because you know, after, like you said, after we you read and learn better, you learn so much more. You begin to grow, and then you look around and here's this author who has looked at this and has chronicled it and put it in the book, and then you have your your neighbors and your friends and your relatives, and they are going through the same thing. We are going through home. Uh, uh, homicidal genocide and don't even realize why we're doing it. We're not advancing from it. There's nothing, mm-hmm. you know, it really got me, but I just wanted to say, you know, like those authors that, in general that you were talking about earlier, this is a really good book if, uh, uh, right now. If they would take the time out to read, to try to educate themselves, it's called CAST. In this file, Isabel Wilkerson. But I'm, I know you're familiar with it because it, it's the Bible college that exists, uh, thank God, at, uh, right there at your church. Uh, uh, so that's the only thing I want to say about Thank you. Yeah, it's called a caste system. And um, I, I know, I think, uh, Brother, uh, brother, brother uh, Keith uh, and others, they had to do that for a grade. From the main campus to uh, uh, what that's called, uh, Foster Daniels Symposium. Uh, and it really talks about systemic racism and how things are going today. And it tells about the past and how things even go today. Uh, Brother Keith, you want to bring up some things about the caste system? Yes, sir. I, I just wanted to piggyback on, on what the brother said. That is a, a very good book. The young lady, Ms. Wilkinson, did a very good job, and she opened my eyes to see. Uh, it talked about the caste system and how it relates to racism, how racism is actually the basis and the root of the caste system here in America. And it, it, it's a really good book, and it's a good thing. I'm an avid reader also. I, I don't read as much now as I used to, and i got to get back into that. That's one thing. I'm glad I'm in school because it's forcing me to read a little more. But uh, there's so many books and so many authors and so much to learn. 
you know. And I really want to encourage our younger people to start reading. Especially books. I was impressed that Isabel Wilkinson is a relatively young lady. She did a lot of research, and she was able to relate it. And it really opened my eyes to a lot. So those are, so the, the name, the book is Cast. And Ms. Wilkerson is the author. So those of you who are listening tonight, get the book. And it doesn't matter if you're Caucasian. You'll find out about what I just said, said institutional racism, uh, systemic racism. is built in the very fabric. And cast, open your eyes to those facts. Amen. Do we have anyone else that would like to add to uh, our conversation tonight? Well, Reverend William, it seems that we don't have anyone else that would like to add to it. If you want to say something and bring us up on the different ministries that you have and let those who are on the telephone know about the other nights that your ministries are running, would you tell us about some of your other ministries? Uh, yes, sir, Dr. Kim. Thank you very much. Uh, I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to History Talk tonight. God bless you. Uh, don't forget to uh, coming up uh, next month, April the 6th, our ladies will be returning to the airwaves uh, for the P31 Ladies Night. Uh, on Thursdays is our Men of Valor. Uh, we're working on getting our youth show together. So everyone out there, please, let's let's round up some youth so we can bring them together on the air and talk to them and, and see what it is that's on their mind and what the things that that they're needing from us because, you know, we can't be speaking for our young people. We need to listen to them as they speak to us. Uh, you know, it says train up a child in the way he should go and he will not depart from it. <laughs> our children are buck wild in the street. So it's going to show the things that they're seeing. So let's, let's tune in every night and get involved in the things that we're trying to do for God's people and breaking chains. Amen. Thank you, Dr. Kemp. God bless you. God bless you. And we thank you. And, uh, uh, those who are listening tonight, you could tune in on those specific nights, and uh, you could still participate just as we participate tonight. It's not as long, and you could, in those programs, you could share. Uh, at the beginning of the program, I teach, then after we have a Q&A, but in those different ministries, you could share as it go, and you could have your, you could participate in a very knowledgeable and you can share your knowledge and the love of God through the different wonderful ministries that uh, uh, Pastor William have. God bless you, Pastor William. God bless you, Brother Keith and Brother George and all those others who are listening uh, to us tonight. And uh, I thank you, Brother George, for the wonderful things that you contributed tonight. And I also thank Brother Keith for being so studious tonight. God bless you guys. And there's people like you that we need to share what you know and the things that you found out, books that you read that others may learn to read and learn of themselves. Amen. I'm good. Well, we're going to leave with a prayer. I ask that you would lift up uh, each and every one, lift up one another. Uh, I'm not going to ask you to pray for my family. 
and think we are going through a little something, but I'm not going to ask you because it all depends upon my grandson and and things. And so he has to stay out of trouble. Amen. Uh, And I'm not going to take up for him. He has to stay out of trouble. God bless him. I pray for him that he learn to walk straight and circumspect the way that he was trained. And Deacon George, you know how he was raised. You know how 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 the family raised my family raised kids. But if you're gonna go out and follow, if you go out and follow other folk and things like that, and be led by other people other than those who raised you, then um, you could get yourself in trouble. But you know how we, you know, I know uh, Brother Joy know how we was raised because he's part of my family, and he know how the old people dealt with us. So he he, he knows because he was saying certain things about the lights coming on in the streets and different things that he said and it brought back memories. So I thank God for each and every one of you. Let's, let us pray. Heavenly Father, we come once again, Lord, just a few of your handmaid servant are gathered in the name of Jesus. Father, we want to first say thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for for you sending your darling son Jesus to die for us on the cross. We want to say thank you, Lord God, for Pastor William and all of his ministries for as he go forward and as he teach and as he bring on different programs that to uplift the African-American community and to spread knowledge and wisdom of the African-American culture and the African-American plight in the world today. Father, we thank you, Lord. Father, we pray, Lord, that the killing will stop this genocide that we're doing, uh, cultural and uh, ethnic geno- uh, uh, genocide we're doing to ourselves. Uh, uh, blacks are killing themselves at alarming rate. As uh, Brother George said, more have been dying than uh, in the Vietnam War when we're doing it to ourselves. So, Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would uh, give us knowledge, wisdom, and fortitude that we could could do this, stop this killing. I think it was for just about almost just a weekend here in Baton Rouge as they die so quick here. And every just about every day, one or two of them individuals are dying on the streets and the young kids. And Lord, uh, so I ask that you would help us that we could go forward with different programs and try to help those kids. And Lord, I ask Lord in the name of Jesus that you would be able to present with us and Lord build us up where we're torn down. Strengthen us, Lord, where we're weak. You know we stand in need of. And Lord again, bless this program. Bless every home. Make them homes of love, homes of peace and homes of prayer. Heavenly Father, we just want to say thank you, Lord. And Lord, we ask, Lord, that you would bless the families in Texas. We saw all those uh tornadoes uh that spun off in Texas. Louisiana, northern Louisiana, and some other places in Louisiana had very bad weather uh, today. And uh, I want to let uh, pray for Reverend William that uh, the same weather that Texas had and Louisiana, we pray that Mississippi and uh, Alabama don't end up with that same bad storm that's passing through. We thank you. We praise you. In the mighty matchless name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. I love everybody, black, white, rich, or poor, and there's nothing you guys could do about it. Much love. Good night. Oh, I-
My people, I love you. We're a family. Yeah, you and me, hey. We'll make through it out. No matter what the cost. We're a family. Yeah, you and me, hey. We'll make it through the pain, the rain, and all the trouble by ourselves. We are dying, we are dying, they are lying, hey. we're being yeah. shot and hearted, why you hating me, uh, I'm just trying to be, yeah. I'm trying to be, like I be, like I be, grow with one another, living happily, living happily. but you hurting me, yeah. you hurting me? why not work for peace, why not work for peace, lying from Zion, Word to say, have a beautiful place for kids to run. Yeah, you and me, hey, we'll make you do it all. No matter what the cost, we're family. Yeah, you and me, hey, we'll make you do the pain and rain and all the trouble by
thank you for taking a listen this evening. You've been listening to History Talk with Dr. LaVert Kemp right here on Breaking Chains on YAT Radio. Heard every Tuesday right here at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. YAT Radio logs on to leave a mark that can't be erased by breaking the chains of silence, teaching you about who you are and whose you are. It's History Talk with Dr. LaVert Kemp every Tuesday on YAT Radio where we are breaking chains. Thanks for turning us on this evening. Just know we are here to assist you in recovering your light from back from the darkness. Speak the truth with Young Adults Talk Live, a ministry for the people of God. So let's join together and recover what's ours. God bless you from the Young Adults Talk family.